This is The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. The Soul's Intent is a show that boldly claims that it can help reveal where you are on the spiritual path. Learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Listen, and in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. This is The Soul's Intent, and now here's your host, Ernie Vecchio. Yeah, the soul's intent actually came out of about, uh, oh gosh, probably about 50 or 60 of my patients uh, of, of work I was doing with them as far as their dream content. And as it, for folks who've been listening to the show, uh, I was kind of helping people come back from, from adversity, come back from severe trauma. And as a result of that, um, their dream content was picking up and it was uh, giving me all kind of symbology. And I, I found a, a discussion was taking place between uh, the human ego and the soul. And so the chapters of the book are kind of broken down based upon that conversation and uh, mm-hmm. about the ego and the soul. And so, and so what, what inspired me to come up with the title, The Soul's Intent, is uh, that most of us never really think about what the soul's intent would be. And, of course, um, what I surmised after thousands of, of cases and thousands of dreams is, is that the soul's intent is for us to get here, mm-hmm. uh, to be present, and to just simply be who we are and, and be, our, be our authentic self. And so I, I say in the book that um, we think we get here when we're born, but we don't get here till we choose to arrive. And so that's kind of like the tagline of the soul's intent, that arrival is a choice. And, and of course, to, to then to, to uh, reach presence and then to self-express. And merge with other souls, of course. So, yeah. yeah. You also go into um, how the ego is formed and how that takes us away from communication with our authentic self being the soul. And the fascinating part about that, Irma, is is that uh, we actually have a con- have contact with the soul very early on, uh, even as far back as in the womb. The first contact we have, of course, is the uh, is being connected to the heart of the Creator which in, in this example would be the mother. And, and we synchronize our, our heart, the beating of our heart syncs with the heart of the mother. And we, we, we kind of lie in that synchronized state for nine months before we get here. And then shortly after we arrive, we go about 16, 18, 20 months, depending upon which expert you're talking to, before we have language. So literally for almost three years, we have a precognitive memory of a connection to the soul. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so the soul's intent is for us to recover that, to remember that initial beginnings, and and what keeps us from it, of course, is uh, the adaptive uh, component of the ego itself. Since the ego kicks into an adaptive mode as soon as we take on language, the ego is formed, and and the ego kind of takes over, uh, and we move away from the heart as the compass uh, to shifting to the ego as the compass because we're we're trying to survive and live in the external world. And so we don't really realize that at the time that as wonderful as the ego is at kind of uh, moving through the external world, it is absolutely helpless uh, in terms of the internal world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that and so what really happens is we have to kind of get to a place where we reconnect with that. And you and I have talked about it on other shows. It typically doesn't hit us until around midlife that, that we begin mm-hmm. to feel to, to feel that reconnection. And that's and that's the buzz in the in the in the spiritual community. How do you reconnect with um, uh, how, how do you reconnect with the authentic self? Um, 
it, it, it's turning out to be, as you know, the impetus for everything that we're doing uh, mm. together, you and I, and everything that I intend to do, uh, because mm-hmm. under the soul's intent is intentional guide evolution. Under the soul's intent is mediating within, which is communicating with these inner voices. Under the soul's intent is gift of compassion, and what that means. Uh, there's just so many layers to, uh, to communicating with the soul. One of your biggest projects that that you're working on that will be coming up is is the wisdom series. I'm not sure if that's still what you're going to be calling it, but that's oh yeah 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 the wisdom yeah the wisdom series is really uh, that I'm going to be introducing people to the concept of catharsis and the process of what it means to go through a cathartic experience. And we're going to be you and I are going to be making those videos at some point and talking about. The layers of awareness that that happens when we are uh, suffering with ourselves, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is the correct way to suffer. And the premise of the wisdom series, uh, and the in the premise really of everything that we're talking about is that this is all happening to us uh, to self-correct. That uh, mm-hmm. we are struggling with we are we are struggling with depression and anxiety and fear and all these different kinds of egoic concerns because we are attempting to self-correct and and by that I mean attempting to live out of the soul's intent, which is what the ultimate self-correction would be. Yeah, I was thinking today as I was rereading um, the book, and it's such a wonderful book and and so so rich. Um, and each chapter is is um, preceded by an intention, which then you know you go into into the chapter and all the the beautiful teachings that you offer. And one of the things I was thinking about today as I was rereading uh, the soul's intent is that all human beings are are spiritual people. We're all spiritual, but what makes some of us aware of that? spiritual side of us and some not and i was thinking it it is the willingness to suffer that's kind of what opens opens the door to the spirit as um provocator or or motivator but without that yeah. willingness to to experience our suffering we don't really i don't think we get we can get back to our authentic self without that yeah. Yeah. It's one of those it's one of those ironies that we, uh, you know, we talk about I and mean, we, we've heard all of our lives about how human beings only use a small percentage of their brain. At least I know now that the percentage of the brain that we're using is the left hemisphere of the brain. So what we're really saying is, is that the percentage of us are not using the right hemisphere, which is where symbology and metaphor is. And this is how the soul communicates to us. And so if you begin to start seeing your life through the right side of the brain, then, then your entire life becomes a metaphor and everything becomes symbolic. And so this is what it means that things happen for a reason. Things happen for a symbolic, metaphorical reason. And your challenge mm-hmm. spiritually is to get, is to get what that reason is, yeah. What's profound about it to me, Irma, is that if we're using a, a, a small percentage of our brain, what percentage of the soul are we using, you see? Uh, and. and we're, we're using a microcosm of the soul's capability and the soul's potential. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so this really is what it means to, to, to live, you know, to use your language adulthood to soulhood, to actually get to a place of soulhood, then you uh, are living a life that is beyond ego. 
and and outside of personality disorder and outside of all those egoic concerns and fears and worries and that's a big deal it's a big deal to mm-hmm. get and understand it so yeah so it's uh so i'm i'm hoping that the, that the folks that are that are uh tuning in are, are are capturing that this is um a rich a rich way to approach the topic of self evolution mm-hmm. and for those people that are actually interested in self evolution yeah it's it almost becomes Almost like common sense. I mean, it, yeah, it seems I, like common sense to me. And I, I think about the fact that, well, first of all, that we're not tapping into the, the right side of our brain, which kind of then opens up that communication with the soul, but the intelligence of the soul and, and the fact that we have somehow, you know, blocked that out of our lives or only allow it in in small percentages, I mean, we're really living very limited lives because of that. Yeah. The soul, the soul has Lynn, this wonderful intelligence that we aren't using to its full potential. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's more than just uh, uh, that we're constricted. We're, we're actually blind. We're blinded by the mm. ego. Can't, yeah. We can't see what it is that we need to see, and and you know, I I, I had a case today of a, uh, of a client, and I did that to him. I, I asked him, he came in with an anxiety disorder, an obsessive compulsive disorder, and and he's been in front of a therapist for about a half a year or more, and he hasn't really got much. And the therapist introduced him to chakras, and it kind of mm. turned him off, and and he's not mm. making his appointment. And so um, you want to you want to love this, Irma. When I introduced him to the soul, when I introduced him to the soul's intent and what it was and who he was and all of that, he said something that that no client has ever said to me before. He said, when I asked him, "What do you think about what I just taught you?" He said, "Well, I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to say anything negative." He says, "But it sounds like you're trying to sell me something." Huh. And I laughed, and I said, and I said, I said, because I, because I was inspiring him, and it was making such perfect sense. He says, "It sounds like you're trying to sell me something." And let's say his name was David. I said, "Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to sell you David. I'm trying to sell you David." He says, wow. uh, "He says, I thought you were going to." And he fell out. He says, "What, really? You know, it was kind of like." Uh, he thought I was going to try to get him to come back and see me. That I was trying to sell me. And get him to come. I said, "No, I'm I'm trying to sell you on you, and you spent no time on you at all. This is a kid that's about 27, 28 years old. He uh, spent no time looking at who he is. And so, so, and, and remember, I told you that that you asked me once a long time ago, Ernie, why are you still doing this after 30 plus years? And yeah. do you ever get burned out or discouraged, whatever? And I said, No. How can you get burned out from inspiring somebody? So today, he was so taken by my inspiration." And we were talking about him. <laughs> he thought I was trying to sell him something. And I thought, well, that uh, was so cool because I said, well, then, I, I, yeah, I'm trying to sell you on David. Yeah. And he was wowed by that. He was uh, wowed by that. And he, and he, thought, he said, I never thought about it that way before. And I mm-hmm. said, yeah, which is totally, you know, I'm not trying to sell you on anxiety disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder. And then I asked him to point on his body where he thought the human compass was. And he pointed to his head, of course. And I said, see, this is part of the problem. This is where you live. And mm. so I told, him, I told him, of course, that the heart was the compass, and we went on from there. So it was about 30 minutes of the guy just being totally wowed by the whole conversation. And, uh. and literally, I'm, I'm, 
I'm telling that story for the listeners to understand that that's what this is. I mean, when you understand the soul's intent, you can't help but be wowed by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, because it's, it sees the whole of who you are. It sees the whole of your life in a way that you're not bothering to see. And it offers context, an ethical context for a way to be in the world. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and instead of a moral way to be in the world, because this kid was very head up with guilt. You know, he said he had a lot of guilt. And I said, what are you guilty for? I said, have you pushed a woman in a wheelchair in front of a bus? And he says, no. <laughs> I, said, I said, so what have you done? What are you, what are you guilty for? And he's, you know, and, you know, and what he was guilty for is, well, I, I didn't turn out the way I thought I was going to. I, I started college and I dropped out or, you know, I didn't. I was going to be a lawyer and now that's not going to happen. And I said, so then the guilt that you're feeling is self-blame and self-punishment because there's a right and a wrong way to be David. And he said, yeah. I said, well, guess what? That's made up. Mm. That's made and uh, and so I got him to get in that observer position and see himself from the observer, and he fell out when he did that. And I said, who is that that just did the observing? And he goes, who? And I went, it's you, David. <laughs> it certainly wasn't uh, me. <laughs> uh. and, 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 so, and so this idea of being able to see your life through the lens of the soul and see what the soul sees, once you actually start seeing – your life from that perspective, it's impossible to unsee it. It's mm-hmm. impossible to act to act like that you didn't see what you saw. And so he's going to think about it <laughs> because I told him to go back to his therapist next week and go in and, and tell him you don't want to work on your diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety disorder. Instead, you want to work on who David is. Yeah. And see what your therapist and see what your therapist does with that. <laughs> Yeah, gosh, that's so so true. And and I was thinking of of how you must have inspired him. And I was thinking of that that word inspire or to be inspirational. It's actually to help someone align with their spirit. Insp- in inspire means in spirit. So it's like reigniting mm-hmm. somebody's spirit if if they have um, yeah. lost it or if it has gotten broken. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and and when you think about when you think about the spiritual movement and you think about inspirational speakers, motivational speakers, what are they trying to motivate you to be if it isn't the best version of yourself possible? And mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately, unfortunately, what they're teaching you are techniques, or they're teaching you, um, you know, all different kinds of stuff. You walk across hot coals <laughs> and mm-hmm. prove that and prove that you can do it. You know, they're doing all kinds of little tricks to show you that you can do anything, anything you should, that you set your mind to. Well, they're still talking to the ego, though. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're communicating with the soul, then you don't need to walk across hot coals to prove that you, that you have all kinds of potential. So, so it's, it's a totally different uh, twist, but it's also, uh, like you said, a common sense approach to the human experience. You're not kind of like putting yourself out there saying, look at me, I'm the teacher, I have the answers, you're really pointing back to your audience, to your listeners, to your students, and telling them they have the answers within themselves. And that answer is to connect to to their soul, to their highest intelligence, to live their life to their fullest potential. I think that what's what's profound about about the the work that I'm teaching is is that – I can tell you how I got here, but it's not going to be how you're going to get here. Mm-hmm. Or I can be the I can be the guy up front and say that in, and write a book. Of, you know, this is how I had my awakening, and so therefore, let me teach you about about how you can find 
uh, your life and yourself through my awakening. That isn't that isn't the way I'm teaching this. Instead, it's it's that you have the you have the this internal GPS that is uniquely your own. Your demons are uniquely your own. Your ego is uniquely yours. Uh, and so, how you get here and what that experience is like is going to be yours. And yeah. uh, and so. This is where this is where I think the spiritual community kind of kind of falls short is is that they're they're trying to sidestep and go around this idea that uh, that the the road to self is inward and you have to travel that path at some level and it and it isn't a scary kind of awful place to be. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I know I can't remember what conversation we were having, but I I asked you. So what is it that people are trying to transcend? Because, because to me, that, it, that feels like even that, that word or that idea of transcendence feels like spiritual bypassing to me. It, it feels like yes. um, a belief in some kind of shortcut to get somewhere, and there is no shortcut. <laughs> well, if you, if you understand that the relationship between the human spirit and the ego, and remember the human spirit is the feeling reaction to the present moment. The, the relationship with the human spirit is to provoke the ego to awaken. That provocation cannot be sidestepped. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, isn't, it isn't provoking you to drive you crazy. It isn't provoking you to make you crazy. Although it's it can feel that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it can feel that way. Uh, yeah. But, but what, it does, what it does is, is that it, it, it starts giving some, some validity and value to the human angst, uh, which is built into what it means to be a human being. And the mm-hmm. angst is really I got cut away from who I was in the beginning, and now I'm trying to reconnect. And, yeah. that, and, that, and that reconnection is, uh, is an inward journey. Uh, you're not going to do it, uh, you know, three easy steps in a book somewhere. You're not going to do it that way. There isn't there isn't a cookbook approach. There is some there's a context for it, but it isn't it doesn't it isn't particularly a cookbook kind of approach or nor nor a shotgun approach really. But it does lead to the same place as a lot of spiritual teachers are talking about. Um, you know the power of now. Well, the soul's intent and your teachings lead to that that same place, but it kind of there's a realization that the power of now it you don't just get there and you're there. There there has to be an understanding of why weren't you there to begin with. Is you know, no matter what it is I'm trying to understand or, or learn, I have to go kind of go through my own process of 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 learning that and that's what i think is wonderful about your approach in in teaching is is that is what you're teaching like you you have to get this yourself you have to go through this process yourself well there's a reason why there's a reason why we call it a journey <laughs> mm-hmm. it isn't it isn't ernie's journey or irma's journey it's your journey yeah. And uh and and the reason we use the word journey is that, that it's your own unique journey as your soul is your own unique gift. And mm-hmm. being able to tap into that uniqueness and that authenticity is really what we're talking about here. And um and and so I hope that that the more people listen and the more they understand the teachings is that they're they're gonna see as you said earlier in the show, is that there's a there's a lot of common sense involved in this, and there's a there's a sequence 
of emotional and spiritual development that one has to go through to evolve. You mm-hmm. can't skip can't skip stages. You can't skip. Uh, uh, you can't transcend the ego and go around it. Uh, yeah. You're supposed to take. You're supposed to be bringing the ego with you as you as you go into the present. Yeah. As you come into yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I love those parts within this book where you do um, write about the ego and and how it was formed and why it was formed and and what part it plays kind of in um, keeping us from that that soul communication and 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 you don't write it in a way that um, or or teach it in a way that the ego is bad and we have to get rid of it completely. Well, that that's not possible. It's not possible, nor is it true. I mean, the, what, what you're attempting to do is if the human spirit is provoking the ego to awaken, then the provocation is, self, is a self-correction. So would you, would, you, would you prefer to listen to your spirit, which is a, which is a physical memory of, your, your, of, your, of the soul's birth, or would you rather listen to the ego, which really only knows the outside world? It only knows your outside experiences in your outside world, and it operates in the past. And so it doesn't really know how to be here now. The ego doesn't mm. know how to do that. And so, so the provocation is to get the ego to be present with itself. And the reason that it's afraid to do that is, is that it doesn't have a guidance system for what is happening internally. And, that, and that's where the, the heart and the soul come in is that the guidance system is there. You just have to tap into it yeah yeah something you said in one of our last conversations and i don't know if you want to expand on that at all on on this particular show but you mentioned something about that uh, feeling of being abandoned i i said that i was doing some writing on the wisdom series and something occurred to me as i was writing that um that when we actually begin to feel helpless because the ego has been so great at, at the adaptive uh, to the outside world that when we go inside, it abandons us. Because in the inside dimension, the ego doesn't really know what to do or it can't guide us. You see. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so and so and so that sense of helplessness and that sense of fear that comes with that that abandonment of the ego is is part of the is part of the issue. So when we go inward. Mm-hmm. To understand ourselves better, um, we don't have that outside adaptive uh, piece working for us. It's working against us, unless the ego is awakened. And that's really what the angst is for. The angst is to awaken us to the present moment. So it's important to understand that that means that all adversity, all things that we suffer with as human beings, is to self-correct that detachment from the soul. There's a symbiotic relationship between the soul, spirit, ego, and heart, but we're only using two of those functions when all mm-hmm. four of them working together is your gift. And, move, and moving through those different lenses, I call them organs of perception. When you, when mm-hmm. you move to the organs of perception that those four constructs kind of symbolize, then you begin to see the significance of that. It's, it's a totally different set of glasses to look at the world through just the, uh, uh, the ego and the provocation of the human spirit. When you go internally, you now have the lens of the heart and the soul as well. So yeah. you're, you're really uh, – and this is where insight and foresight come from. The ego mm-hmm. only lives on hindsight. Right. It only knows hindsight. 
It doesn't really know how to be insightful, and it doesn't have any particular gift in that area. But it is quite adaptive, and it will. And that's the point: is that if you get it present, then the ego will adapt to anything that it needs to adapt to. In that regard, it's quite, it's quite special, the ego. And, and so, yeah, it's not, it's not the bad guy, as we, is we're taught a lot. And until we get those organs of perceptions kind of working together, there would be a feeling of whether we're aware of it or not, there would be an imbalance in our lives. There would be a being out of sync. There would be not living up to our full potential because without those organs of perception um, working together, we can't live up to our full potential. It really wouldn't be possible. No, in fact, it seems like they're working in opposition to us. Yeah. In other yeah. words, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're doing in our lives, we feel something is off. We feel something's just not right. Well, that's the opposition. That part of you that's having that sensation, that's coming from your gut. That's coming from your intuition. Intuition, and intuition is is actually. Uh, and I was writing about this this week. Uh, you breathe into your stomach. Uh, to relax for a reason. You actually breathe into your stomach to give oxygen to your own intuition. Mm. And it will and your and your intuition needs to breathe. And so it, it, it's not a coincidence that it's calming to take take a breath and to uh, and to literally let that out slowly because what you're really doing is you're moving from an emotional animal to a feeling animal. Mm. And when you do that so much sense. you are yeah. When you do that, you're now using your intuition, and that's mm-hmm. and that's what and, and so regaining some sense of uh, confidence and some sense of trust and some sense of um, of connection to that intuitive side of the self is is really the, uh, the the dimension of the soul and is the dimension of the heart. Right, and so right. many of us don't, so many of us don't trust that dimension because we don't have a relationship to it. But right. yet it's there and it's it's never off. It's always on. That's yeah. how we know something is off. It's almost like you have to go, what is that that is telling me something is off? It's not the brain. Right. If, right. I, fe- and if I feel something's out of, out, of, out of sync, what is that that's telling me that? And so, and right. so when you get a sense of that that communication is coming from someplace other than the brain, you have to go, well, wow, which one of those do I want to identify with? Do I want to identify with that part of me that intuitively knows, or do I want – to be connected to that part of me that intuitively, has, intuitively hasn't got a clue because mm-hmm. the ego really cannot do intuition. It learns from hindsight. It learns from experience. And then it makes up a bunch of stuff about what the truth is. Right. And, uh, and, 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 yeah. and invariably, the ego breaks it down black and white, right or wrong, good or bad. Mm. That's how mm. it breaks it down. Yeah. Yeah. And that word intuition, I believe, um, intuition means the inner, the in, to intuit means the inner teacher. I mean, that's what yeah. that word actually means. So we're, you know, it's not good to bypass our, our inner teacher. That's there. That's there yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, um, in intentional mm-hmm. guide, in, in intentional guide evolution, I talk about four voices. Uh, we've got the, the 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 counselor, the mediator, the critic, and the bully. Well, uh, the intuition is tapped into the counselor and the mediator. The critic and the bully is tapped into the ego. Yeah. So you can see 
that if you're going to break those voices down, where do they live? Well, the 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 critic and the bully lives in our heads, mm. and the counselor and the mediator lives in our hearts and in our body. And so this is the yeah. distinction. So, so when you're saying which voice do I want to listen to, which voice do I want to identify with, then you have to get all those working together. It's a conversation. Yeah. It's, actually, yeah, a it's actually conversation. an internal conversation. Yes. yes. Yeah. And and I, I think that's great because I mean we can't we can't deny the critic and the, the bully that exists in all of us. So to communicate with it. To to have yeah. that conversation. Yeah. Well the 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 language for it in, 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 in Eric Burns' work, which is T A, transactional analysis, the, the, the language in his model is inner child. And uh, in, in his language, that not okay child and that critical controlling parent is only one half of the equation. The other half of the equation is the, is the spontaneous child and the loving, compassionate parent, uh, mm-hmm. as, well as, as well as the logical adult, which is, which is present. So there's, there's two or three different ego states in the TA model that, that they move people through in therapy on that. So it really is giving some validity to these internal voices and to this internal dialogue that is taking place inside of us in spite of our lives. I mean, the conversations are happening. It's just whether or not we're listening. Right. Right. And that's one thing I wanted to mention for our listeners too, which, which really attracted me to your teachings is that your teachings are spiritual, yes, but they're all, they also include um, the, the psychological. So I think I'm correct in saying this, that your teachings are, are psycho-spiritual. Yeah, and really all that, all that really means is that, it's, that they're beyond ego. The, the, the psychology of who you are is your personality and your ego. Uh, the spiritual, of course, is tapping into the soul and the heart of who you are. So it's those, it's those components. Uh, one, one of the things that struck me when I first started working with, uh, with trauma patients is that if you can imagine a glass, let's say a styrofoam cup, and that styrofoam cup is literally your, your ego, uh, the contents of that cup would be the soul and spirit of who you are. That would be the liquid that's inside the cup. And so the question is, which one do you want to identify with, which is the formation of that cup, which is holding your self-esteem and your self-worth and holding your soul and your spirit, or do you want to identify with the contents of the cup, you see? Mm. And so but what, I, what I learned in working with trauma is that if I cut off your legs, that cup is ripped to shreds. And you're sitting in front of me in a puddle, mm. and it took me a it took me a career to figure out that I wasn't supposed to help you reconstruct a brand new cup. What I was supposed to do is help you take the contents and pour it into another larger container, which which yeah. is which is a developmental which is a developmental process. And so 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 really, you're expanding the 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 ego's growth by shifting from one idea of who you think you are to another perception of who you are. And so it's developmental because each time you, you, you take that liquid, if you will, and move it from one cup to the next, each container is larger. And so that, that's really kind of existential philosophy and existential theory, but each container is larger. And so each container comes with freedom. And, and so, and so the freer you get, and you begin to understand that the collapsing of those containers of who you think you are, so you can become who you really are. Pretty soon, you become containerless, and, that's, mm. and you, 
So when you get to the place where the ego is no longer the container, then you are operating from the soul. Wow, and, that's uh, so beautiful. And the, that's and, so beautiful. <laughs> and and the and the and the ego is just and the ego is just one of many players in that in that process. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you would have helped your patients um, rebuild that cup that was shattered, would that would you say that would have been teaching them coping skills, kind of how to cope with yeah. their trauma? Yeah. 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 Wow. That, that's one of the things happen. That's one of the things that's happened with the mental health models is yeah. Imagine a styrofoam cup that has been punctured, or mm-hmm. the side has been torn. What coping skills are is putting scotch tape around that cup, putting. <laughs> yeah. Putting glue on that cup, doing some kind, of, putting, uh, some kind of thing to keep the, the cup a cup, so that yeah. it will contain the soul and spirit of who you are. It's now damaged because uh, it's been torn and scotch and scotch tape back together. But it really uh. isn't. That isn't the process. The process wow. uh, is, to, is to really move you into a brand new container, which is a much more present day container of who you think you are. So, so it, it isn't a coincidence. It's developmental. And by developmental, I mean that we have four containers in a lifetime we are supposed to move through. The first one is adolescence. The second one is, is young adult. Third is midlife. And the fourth one is old age. So we are supposed to move through those containers developmentally. And the only thing that collapses the container is suffering. Nothing else will do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you fight it, if you fight it, look what you're fighting for. You're fighting to keep yourself in the past. Yeah. You're fighting to keep yourself. You're, you're you're fighting to define yourself in a way that is outdated. You see? Uh. And so it's so it's all kind of and so moving through those containers keeps you in keeps you in the present tense. And so there's an evolutionary uh, 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 process that's happening. You're actually graduating from one container to the next. And the only thing that makes you graduate is embracing the suffering and using it for what it's intended to do, which is to self-correct. Right, yeah. and and you can't rush that that process. It's it's a necessary process, and you can't get to that wonderful place of and because what you described as you were going through that, eventually reaching a place where there is no cup, where there is right. no cup. I, I mean, and but you can't get. You have to go through the process of getting there. You can't. You can't just. Get there, and I think that's one thing that yeah, you can't, um, a lot of yeah, spiritual you, you teachers jump. try and yeah. Yeah, you can't jump from the first to the fourth cup. No, you can't. Right, no. or or having no, no cup work. at all, which would be the enlightened state. But you can't rush that. You can't. You have to go through a process well, to as, get there. As long as as long as you are are alive in this existence, you're going to have a container called the ego. But if you are present with it, then that, which means it doesn't have any more bumps and bruises because you've healed all those bumps and bruises, you're no longer guilty or ashamed of who you are, so the, so the cup can no longer be perforated by guilt and shame, uh, mm. then you are now, mm. you are now in, a, you're in a present tense container. And so that's the key part of me. So you're always going to have an ego as long as you're alive. The key is you want that ego to be present tense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if, and if it is, then it's been uh, to be present tense, and that means it's communicating with the soul and spirit of who you are, and it's responding to the human spirit now in a much more symbiotic way, which is moving you towards the best version of yourself possible, and that's that's the goal. 
Well, I did promise our our listeners that we're going to go through these four stages that's at the end of your book, the four stages of spiritual development. And and I think they're so great. And um, I'm going to read each each one. And as I do, maybe we could expand um, briefly on on each one because they're they're perfect. (laughs) Um, The the first stage, um, the hesitant stage. Those who wish to be more self-expressive and have a better grasp of life. They have a vision of transformation, but are not prepared for how quickly this image can disappear. When the image does disappear, their lives and circumstances seem worse than before. Their pattern is to hesitate before they continue. During this stage, people struggle with depression and spiritual confusion. Would you like to expand on that yeah. a little bit, Ernie? Yeah, yeah. The the hesitant the people that are in the hesitant stage are are spiritual people that don't realize that they are spiritual people. Mm-hmm. Other words, they're still they're still struggling with uh, a much more moral uh, perspective of their lives and their circumstances. They're they're stuck in there's a right and a wrong way to be, and they mm-hmm. get a glimmer. They get a, They they'll have a moment. They'll have a sound bite. Where, where their intuition is on or their soul's perspective is, is, is working. They'll get a glimmer of it, and then as quickly as they get it, it disappears. Mm. And, they don't know, and they don't know how it happened, and they, they, they want to they backpedal and say, what did I do or what was I doing in my life? Because I, was, I, I got a wake-up moment, and, but I can't find it again. It disappeared. How do I get it back? And, and so, yeah, that's what that phase is about. And, it's, um, and, and a lot of people are there. It's kind of like they take a step forward and then they take three steps back. And they take another mm-hmm. step forward and four steps back. And so and they don't understand uh, at that particular phase, they, they have no sense of what's, uh, what's pulling them. They only have a sense of what's driving them. And in this case, it would be the human ego, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, and so, and so they have they have a soundbite, and that's and that's the that's the drug of the soul's intent. If there is a drug, uh, is that when you get the the brain to release serotonin and norepinephrine and some of those feel good chemicals, that's that's when you have an insight about your life and your circumstances. And then as quickly as you have it, it it somehow disappears and life just goes on as usual. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that's kind of what that stage is about. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. It, it makes total sense. It makes total sense, and and it continues kind kind of to evolve through these um, development stages. The next stage is the balancing stage. Those who experience their duality or opposites, they become aware of their defenses, insecurities, social barriers, and boundaries of fear. Because they examine their inner images thoroughly, there is an understanding of how to gain emotional nourishment. These individuals have an epiphany the instant they get a glimpse of what they are seeking. Their gratitude evokes a balance and a strong need to experience the balance again. Theirs is a tearful and frustrating stage because they don't know what to do to bring back into view what they saw. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the stage really of, of uh, when we get a sense of the opposites and we get mm-hmm. a sense of the tension between the opposites. And then, and then once we understand what the tension is, we polarize to one side or the other, and then the tension stops. 
and in and in that and in that moment of polarization, we have an epiphany that these opposites exist and that something can be done uh, about the tension between the opposites. And so so they so people in that particular stage start to get a sense that you know maybe this can be balanced. Maybe this part of me that's opposing this and opposing myself, uh, maybe this dualistic, uh, myoptic, uh, uh, rigid approach needs to be expanded on, and that's what they have a sense of. And so yeah. it, it's almost like they. It, it's like that. That stage is about about experiencing balance for just a moment, and really getting a rush from that and wanting more of it. And mm-hmm. uh, and it becomes it, it becomes tearful because it's hard to hold on to the balance because yeah. the ego wants pol- because the ego wants to polarize it wants to pick a side on in, in any kind of a tug of war uh, internally the, the the ego wants to pick a side and to just to relieve the tension so yeah. if that makes sense that's that's kind of what that phase is about yeah and, and these stages well, I'm, I'm, I, I might I, I might want to add here too Irma these stages all kind of overlap. They're mm-hmm. not pure. They're not, you know, there, there isn't one, you don't graduate from one to the other. It's not linear. They kind of overlap uh, uh, and they kind of grow. One stage kind of grows upon the other. Yeah. Uh, as you begin to awaken, you know, as you begin to awaken. Yeah. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about these, these stages, they're all, they're all necessary. They're all necessary. Yeah. It's, it, there's nothing, even though there's, you know, depression and tears, and it, it is like a an, an awakening and going through a grieving process and becoming aware that we have lost ourselves somewhere along the way. I mean, to me, that's what, what these stages are, are pointing out. So it's kind of like a, a process of grief that's going on as, as we go through these different stages, oh, yeah. and they're all necessary. Yeah, yeah, the grief the the grief of the loss of self is the first grief that we experience and we don't even realize that that's what we're going through. We mm-hmm. we know that again that something's off, we know we're sad, we know that we uh, that something's missing, we can't get our finger quite on what it is and that and so that that it it is a grief reaction. And um yeah. and yeah. so so yeah, so so we really are grieving uh Grieving as we go through the process because we're letting go. Each each one of these stages is about letting go. Right, and, right. Uh, and, and there, it's not done perfectly. It's not like here's the first stage, then the second stage. It's kind of like a back and forth, and like you said, they overlap, just like in the grieving, just like in the grieving process. I was just going to say, I, I I gave you the image one night of the of a spiral. And yeah. I ask you to I ask you to trace the spiral on a piece of paper and then follow the spiral around and put an X uh, that would be parallel to where you began. Mm-hmm. And if you go around the if you go around the spiral again and put another X, what you end up doing is you build a straight line. Well, that is the path. It's mm-hmm. not the spiral. It's that straight line that you're making as you as you ascend to a higher level of consciousness. And so a lot of, a lot of people think that the path is the spiral itself. <laughs> when in actuality, it, it, every time you go up a layer, you really come by the, the place that you just left to get to the next level. And that's where oh. the grieving comes. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's so important. <laughs> that's so important to be aware of. Oh, my goodness. That's just one of the many things that, that you... I think bring to the table that that that's so different is is you do use images a lot and it's 
I have found that to be really, really helpful. I, I think because I, I um, um, kind of like sense my way through life through through images, and and that's why I relate so much to to your teachings. One of the many, many reasons. Um, well, I jokingly image. say that mm-hmm. I, I jokingly say that that I think that um, what I do is 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 optometry that I'm helping people see things more clearly, and so yes. that's why. It, that's why I use images because people never forget images. Oh, that's so, so true. So we have two more stages, the envision stage, those who see a vision of the eternal. Theirs is a painful realization because once they have such an image, it will not fade. Once it is in their awareness, this image of the eternal glows brighter and brighter. Past hopes and dreams help them remember the, the older traditional path. Not always aware of what is happening within them, these indivi- individuals just know to continue. Yeah, the envision stage is uh, uh, it's when you see God. Mm. Uh, and, and when you have that first experience of being in front of the eternal and recognizing there's no right or wrong way to be in front of that. It's literally touching uh, your own divinity. Uh, mm. uh, and once you begin to... Uh, you, you, you're making a shift in the envision stage from believing in God to knowing God. And, and, and most importantly, the God that is within you. And the God that is within you is that drop of water that is your soul. And so when you have a sense of your own soul's presence, and when you have a sense that that soul is connected to something larger than you, you cannot stop wanting more of that. Yeah. Uh, and so the, envision, so the envision stage is you cannot unsee what you have seen. Mm. And once you mm. once you know once you know God at that level, you cannot you no longer have to sit around and and, and banter about beliefs anymore. You now have yeah. a sense of knowing that there's something larger than yourself, and it is eternal. And that part of you that is eternal is the soul. As I say all the time, it's never off, it's never away, it's never gone, and it's always there, orchestrating you to see what it is you need to see. That is the soul's function. Yeah. So once you uh. that so that's the envision. That's the envision stage. That's literally seeing life through the soul's lens for the first time. Mm, mm, mm. Gosh. And then the present stage, those um, whose connections with the eternal are real and current, more evolved than the general population, they are vigorously creating as much energy as possible to benefit and transform others. Their wish is to stay with what they have discovered and make it as available to others as possible. These individuals somehow know that they can become whatever they wish to become. Yeah, and that and that literally is is what you would call soulhood. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the present stage is that you have reached a, a place in your own spiritual development now that there's no way you can go back to who or how you were before, and you wouldn't want to. All you want to do is move forward, and the natural thing to want to do is then share that in some, in some uh, self-expressive, self-expressive way with other people. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like seeing what you've seen, experience what you've experienced, and now wanting to share that with others, and, that, and that's really what that is. And it's no longer yeah. ego-based at all. And there's no and there's no egoic uh, lens there because you're in the present in the present tense with it. There's one thing um, yeah. I took out of your book that I, I I really liked it so much I wanted to make sure that I I um, read it on the show, and that the soul's intent is that we arise. 
get here and be present without punishing or blaming others for not being here. Presence allows an observation of our lives without judgment. It is the dimensional quality of love. Yeah. yeah you, one of the things that you learn in, in the work that I'm teaching is, is that love and truth and freedom actually is a physical place. It is an ethical, loving, all-encompassing view of your life. And the realization that the world doesn't revolve around you, uh, that you are connected to the world, and your contribution to that reality is your own self-expression. And so, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a big deal to get that love and truth and freedom is a place, uh, mm-hmm. because so many of us, so many of us think that it's behavior or it's good deeds or it's something else. That we don't stop and realize that it's actually a dimensional place. And and there's a door that we literally walk through. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, to get to to get here, so when a lot of people ask me that have gone through the door in each of these stages, that they've had a uh, they've had a moment of being close to the door, they went through the door, and they don't know how it happened, and the door disappeared. It it really was a bunch of stuff that they had stopped doing that caused the door to appear. And when mm-hmm. they stopped doing whatever it was that was undoing their lives, they had a moment of presence, and in that moment of presence, they were here, and 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 they got a surge, an infusion of love and truth and freedom, even if it was a soundbite. And mm-hmm. that, that one little tiny, that one little tiny infusion of, of love and truth and freedom is absolutely contagious. Once you get it, you want more of it. And mm-hmm. so, and so what we lack, Irma, many of us lack for this is a context. And this is what I'm teaching is that, that if there's anything that's, uh, that's absent in the spiritual movement is we're, we, we have a religious context for this, which is very, very limiting in your own relationship to your soul, uh, in your own relationship to your own spirituality, uh, spirituality and spiritual evolution. It's, uh, religion is limiting in that regard. We know that because it is done inside of you. It is not done outside of you. And, uh, and, so, it's, and so to get to the ethic that is tied to what it means to be human means to get to a place of uh, the capacity to suffer with oneself, which is another way of saying to love oneself in spite of what life is or isn't, and uh, and to embrace that. And mm-hmm. once you've done that, and you've done it, and you've done it often enough, it becomes with practice, it begins to become a dimension you want to live in as much mm-hmm. as possible. In, in, a, yeah. in a in a world that takes that takes you away from it all the time, you know. I mean, it's, right. it's a function of the. This is the collective ego. The function of the collective ego is to take us away from that, uh, that feel-good sensation of what it means to be here. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. While problems manifest psychospiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And the soul's intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom, and how in an instant learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.